As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. And I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. And welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. It's the morning after the transfer deadline has passed for another summer and it's brought to end a truly remarkable window. Yes, and, and while usually Dan and I would dive into a, a brilliant specific piece on the Athletic, we're actually going to go a bit bigger today because we're going to be talking about a couple of different pieces because it's been a mad summer for the transfer window. We've had Messi, Ronaldo, Lukaku and more on the move. And we're going to be talking about the one that didn't happen, which is Kylian Mbappe to Real Madrid. And that's a really interesting one. And thankfully, we've, we've got the Athletic Spanish football correspondent joining us, don't we, Dan? Yeah, looking forward to chatting to Dermot, a very La Liga-centric show for us today. But before we get his thoughts on everything that's going on in the mad place that is La Liga, let's talk a little bit about transfer deadline day ourselves, Flo, or as it was for me as a Villa fan, a completely normal Tuesday. <laughs> Crystal Palace finally have got a goal scorer, Flo. Well, I think that's a bit harsh on Benteke. I didn't write the script there, Christian, if, if you are listening. I'm still a big fan of Christian Benteke, yeah, but... Eduard has signed. Eduard, Eduard. I've got to work on my French accent. I think that's it. I think that's yeah. it. Um, I don't know if it's it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit of panic, but obviously it hasn't quite been the start to Palace's season that I think a lot of fans would have been hope, hoping for because they had a pretty positive transfer window up to this point anyway before managing to get Eduard. So I think uh, I think there, there was a, maybe a little bit of worry that it, it was going to be a difficult few months for Vieira. And obviously when you get a younger manager in, who's already a big name from his past um, past footballing career, I think it is tricky. I mean, there's a lot of pressure and we've seen that with Arsenal and Arteta. So I think it's a really positive signing because they're definitely lacking goals and you've seen that already so far this season. They've got a solid midfield, but they, they really need to get some goals. So I'm, I'm excited to see him play. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for Palace as well because I think you want to see those managers do well. You don't want to see them crash and burn because it doesn't bode well for any other younger managers coming through. But there's a bit of patience that's required. But one of the other things that stood out for me as a QPR fan was um, 
Andre Gray joining QPR. So we've got yes. one of the little mixed wags, which I think is always exciting. Hopefully we'll, we might see some of the some of the little mixed team down at Loftus Road. I'm sure they'll, you know, love to come to Shepherd's Bush, sample the sights and sounds, go to Westfield, do some shopping. So De- I want to say deadline day was relatively tame, but it probably probably wasn't, but I just feel because the whole transfer window has been so chaotic. Maybe it felt a, a little quieter yesterday than, than, than it actually was. Liverpool would be one. I was surprised that they didn't really have, have much activity, just Canate in from Leipzig th- through the summer. So Klopp's obviously happy w- with what he's got there. I thought they might come up and surprise us with something on deadline day, but they didn't flow. Yeah, and, and it was. I know a lot of people commenting on Twitter were saying the fact that instead of signing players, they just announced about four or five contract extensions. So it was basically yeah. like contract extension deadline Tactical. day more than anything, and they needed to look busy. Um, but I think fans can feel confident that Klopp has enough to do well. I think probably most people think it's going to be tough for them to compete with Chelsea and City for the title, and United maybe to an extent. But they're probably going to push on, do well, get into the later stages of the Champions League, and it'll still be an enjoyable season despite not being bringing in any huge names. Yeah, and I've got to say, if I was a Newcastle fan, I'd be very, very concerned. Not the deadline day their fans would have wanted, but probably the one they envisaged with Mike Ashley in charge. Just a quick plug for Monday's Athletic Football podcast, where Mark Chapman, David Ornstein and co. revealed how the deal to bring Cristiano Ronaldo back to Old Trafford was done. An incredible level of detail on the show, so definitely go back and listen to that if you haven't listened to it already and if you do want to read that article in full and so much more on the athletic as well you can sign up today and save 33 percent on access to the best newsroom in sport so that's just three pound 33 a month for an entire year all you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash ornstein and you'll be able to redeem that offer Dermot, welcome to the athletic football show really looking forward to chewing the transfer fat with you and in particular mbappe why didn't he go to Real Madrid in, in the end? I mean, it was crazy money considering in, in a year's time, pretty much they can get him for a free. Why didn't it happen in the end? The simple answer is that PSG just wouldn't wouldn't let him go, that money doesn't seem to matter that much to them, that um, because of the Qatar owners and because of just how, how rich they are and also because how financial fair play doesn't seem to to apply to them, um, or at least that's the, the view here in Spain, um, they were able to just say, look, we want to keep him. Um, everybody around Madrid was very sure that he wanted to come. Uh, Mbappe himself kept very quiet and, and looked happy enough while he was celebrating his goals at, at the weekend in the, the Messi debut. But yeah, the feeling here in Madrid, and if you speak to anybody around the club, is that he wanted to come. Madrid were willing to, to go as far as 200 million. Um, but PSG just stood, stuck in there and said, no way, we're not selling. Where does that leave him next summer? Because obviously... His contract's running out, and does that does that mean that PSG is still keen to try and lock in a, a contract extension, or is it just an acceptance that they've only just gotten for another year now? No, again, it really depends who you speak to. If you speak to people in in France, they say that it's all kind of part of a negotiation between Mbappe and the club. That Mbappe is playing hardball over his, his new contract. The, the story is anyway is that they're willing to offer him a salary even potentially more than than Messi and Neymar get paid. They, they still want to make him the centre point, I guess, of, of their project when Messi is long gone and maybe when Neymar is gone as well. If you speak to people around Madrid, they're like, we've done everything we can to show Mbappe that we really want him to come here. Um, 
We he loves the club. I I don't think anybody doubts that Mbappe was a, a big Madrid fan as a kid as well. You know the the pictures of, of him in his bedroom with Cristiano Ronaldo posters are great propaganda for for Marca and for everybody. But they're also true. He, he was a Madrid fan. He does have a, a connection to the club. He's in a great position now because as his contract runs down from January or or maybe even already, his people can be speaking to Madrid about what type of of signing bonus he he could get. They know now Madrid are, are desperate to get him, that they have this 200 million that they apparently were willing to, to, to spend on him. So 12 months, a long time in football. Maybe he wins the Champions League at Paris Saint-Germain. Maybe that project falls apart. Maybe Zinedine Zidane takes over as PSG manager. Who knows what's going to happen over the next 12 months. But Mbappe still gets to play for probably the most exciting team in the world and has a great chance to win the Champions League. So he's not he's not in a bad position. Yeah, I found that Ronaldo thing quite interesting, Flo, because people have been saying, how, how, how can he leave PSG now? Surely he wants to go and play with Messi. But if he's had Ronaldo on his wall, he's trying to get away from Messi. He's stayed Ronaldo loyal, hasn't he? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny one because in the piece you've written about, I guess, the state of La Liga and, and what's maybe gone wrong for them, the whole first half is obviously laying out how most of the all the big clubs, Barca and, and Real Madrid, are in such dire straits financially and these are all the issues. And then you're kind of like, but they're still willing to throw 200 million at Mbappe. And it just seems bizarre knowing that next summer they've got an opportunity to to throw him a ridiculous contract and save themselves some of that cash that they were still willing to to put that offer out there do you think and i I know you touched on your piece do you think it's so much of it is just about saving face and saving brand rather than actually about the quality on the pitch because viniscus jr is is really leading the charge already for real madrid and and actually they've got benzema still did they need mbappe yeah, um, like Florentino Perez, it's been, it's been hurting him. I, you'd be pretty sure he's a very um, successful guy in the rest of his life. His life outside football is one of Spain's richest guys. He's not used to, to things not going his way. And it's been a series of embarrassments for him. Super League was, was a huge fiasco. He, he is angry and upset in a, in a kind of a billionaire thwarted type of a way that um, the Super League didn't go ahead, that PSG and Man City and, and Chelsea have have more money, have kind of usurped Real Madrid's place at the very top of the the, the triangle of the of how, how he sees um, how markets work, that they have the, the very rich guys at the top and the money trickles down. So it, it became almost a, a source of pride for him that they needed to get Mbappe or they needed at least to show that they would be able to get him or that they could afford him, that they were a big club, they had the power, they had the prestige. All, all those kind of things are all wrapped up in, in what happened this summer. As the piece that's gone up on the site, today lays out like the classical a decade ago when you had you know Messi and Ronaldo at their peaks you had Guardiola and, and Mourinho on the benches you had all these you know the, the FIFA 11 every year which is picked by the players themselves was basically divided up between Barca and Madrid and um, Dani Alves, Iker Casillas, Sergio Ramos at his peak as well, Pique Puyol, Javi Iniesta, David Villa you know these were the very best players in the world and they were all divided amongst Madrid and Barca when a great player came along in the Premier League, whether it was Gareth Bale or Luis Suarez, Barca and Madrid came calling for them and they, they wanted to leave. Ronaldo himself, um, when he was Ballon d'Or, left, left Manchester United to go to Madrid. That's the type of cachet that, that Madrid and Barca used to have. That's how Florentino still kind of sees Madrid in his own head at, at that stage. But reality has kind of hurt them. Um, COVID has hit them really badly. The Bernabeu rebuilding project came along just at, at that time. I don't think that's a huge drain on the resources, but it just means that they can't um, 
it's not costing them adding to their debts, if you know what I mean, but it, but it does mean that they've less liquidity to go out and spend big. So all, all that's tied into what happened with Mbappe. Um, and again, we'll come back in, in 12 months' time or we'll come back tomorrow. You know, it's, it's not like it's going to be parked away. This is going to continue. It's going to be on market front page um, every week for, for the next year. You, you'd be pretty sure. So, you know, there'll be plenty for us to dig into on, on the Athletic over that time, for sure. Did La Liga need the Mbappe move? Because if I think, like, you've just talked about all those those times, the El Clasico, you know, through seasons gone by, I would have done anything I could to make sure I'm in to watch Real Madrid-Barcelona. Now I feel like I wouldn't do that. You, you, you think about it, the stars just aren't there. Now, did La Liga need this move as much as Real Madrid wanted it? Again, it depends on who you talk to. La Liga president Javier Tebas was very clear this summer that he would like Messi to stay, but that the Liga were not going to, to bend the rules. You know, they, they weren't going to make an exception just for Messi. He said, we lost Ronaldo, we lost Neymar, but La Liga itself is as strong as ever. His view and what makes La Liga uh, great is its competitiveness. Is that not that they have two big teams who have all the best stars in the world, but that each game, each week is very good. And his view is that La Liga is getting better at that. It, you know, we could have a five-way title race this season. You know, Sevilla have strengthened well, Villarreal have strengthened well. Um, and he sees that as better than having just two big games, which in a way kind of... Decide, well, there were times when they, La Liga was basically decided in, in the Clásicos that whoever won the two Clásicos had a great chance to win La Liga. From outside, it's hard to know whether that's true or not. I guess here in Spain, you know, if you're watching the games every week, it is great to have a more competitive league. It, it makes it more exciting. But uh, for attracting more casual fans, for, for picking up overseas fans, um, for filling the stadiums as well is, is in the piece. Um, the attendance at the Bernabeu has dropped off over the last years. The lowest attendance at a game over the last, in the 21st century, was the game after Ronaldo left. Um, this season, uh, like something like 30%, check the figures, but it's in the piece of Barca's season ticket holders have not um, renewed. There's COVID, it's two years since they had to do it the last time. There's different factors, but that's huge to, to Barca. It's a big drain on their finances as well. So, Short answer would be hey, for it would have been great for La Liga if Mbappe had come. The longer answer is that they're trying to to move away from that star model, and but, but let's see how, where that gets. Them. I suppose for the um, not the thinking man, but for the the purity, I guess football fan, uh, maybe the legacy fan, if you want to look at it in Super League terms. Um, actually. You, people should be commending La Liga and Tebas, although you know he's a man of hilarious classic quotes, and he's he can be a bit absurd sometimes. He's taken a sensible approach with saying to the clubs, "You can't continue in this way, um, and if you want to have longevity for your communities, for the people you serve, for your members, etc., something's got to give." Um, but it's just interesting how that's come at the expense of. Um, global branding and to some extent maybe quality on the pitch although you know you said that there's already been some brilliant matches so far this season so so where do they go from here because I imagine Tebas like he always is 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 chatting to UEFA and saying you know we need a better financial fair play model because the Premier League and and Liga are just taking the mick basically (laughs) so so how do they still be bold enough to say we're going to stick our heads above the parapet and, and say this can't continue in our league. But it doesn't really matter if all the other leagues are just doing what they want anyway. For sure. Like Tevis already last night, when just as the transfer window closed, tweeted an angry tweet about how um, financial fair play just didn't seem to apply to, mm. to Paris Saint-Germain. What he would like would, would be for a similar 
kind of salary cap system that, that is in La Liga uh, to be applied all across Europe. If UEFA were to take that on, I think he'd be very proud and he would, he would also help La Liga a lot. It doesn't seem to be much sign of, of that happening um, for, for lots of different reasons. Another route that Tebas is going down is to uh, go against the legal the Court of Arbitration for Sport, which is kind of a not headline news for, for most football fans, but they're, La Liga are really angry with, with that court. They think that the, anything that they try to do or that the authorities try to do, that the bigger clubs are able to go to, to pass, as we saw with Manchester City when they were supposed to be out of the Champions League but got back in. And Tebas is a lawyer himself, and he seems to think that um, a better regulatory structure or some kind of replacement for that, which would enable the authorities to enforce the rules or to bring in stronger rules and then enforce them, uh, is what he would like. But again, that's getting into fans want Mbappe on the pitch. They, they want Barca to have a, a great team again. And it's a very going to the, you might be right about the court of arbitration for sport, that, that's a conversation for another day, but it doesn't really help to get Mbappe in in the short term or, or Barca stronger in the short term for sure. So it's a, yeah, La Liga fans are on a bit of a downer. I think it's, it's fair to say because of the transfer window and just the general uh, exodus of big names over the last decade. No? Dermot, for people like me who don't really know much about the salary cap, could you just tell us how that works in La Liga? Yeah, uh, back in April or so, they have to submit their it's three years of their financial figures to La Liga and projections for the, the future of how much money they're going to bring in and also how much money they're planning to, to spend and also the historical information over the past year so that they can't just make up pull figures out of the air and then say, this is what we're going to do. And the Liga then come back to them and say, okay, you can spend X amount of euros on transfer fees, uh, wages, salary costs all around your club, plus uh, amortizations of past transfers as well. So a couple of years ago, Barca's was huge, was up over 400 million. Then when suddenly it became clear that they had big holes in their finances, that has dropped a lot. So to come out, it's going to be like something like 150 million. You, can't, you just can't break that. If you, if you don't have um, the space on your salary cap to register a new player, La Liga won't let you register him, which is what we saw happen with Memphis Depay, Sergio Aguero, all these guys this summer. In the end, Barca, well, they said that they were able to register him because PK took a pay cut. Really, they were, that was only part of it, that they, they were, had to sell players. Emerson, Junior Furpo, all the guys who they got rid of, the kind of squad players they got rid of this summer, was in order to bring their finances back into a better place so that La Liga would raise their salary cap so that they would be able to, to register those guys. You mentioned the Real Madrid fans will obviously be disappointed that Mbappe hasn't come through the door at the Bernabeu. Camavinga has. Will that appease them in, in, in some way? Because he's a sensational young player. I know he's not a Galactico, so to speak, but w- what will they feel about that? Yeah, Camavinga is, has been also quite often uh, talked about in the Spanish press over the last 18 months or so. Um, and people are quite excited about him. Um, you know, he does look a fantastic talent. Um, some of the, just the way that he, he carries the ball as well. Yeah. Um, he just looks, he looks like a great player. Um, and Madrid do need reinforcements in midfield you know Cruz and Modric can't go on forever Modric is 36 uh, in a couple of days I think and Cruz has a groin injury at the minute and there's no date on when he's going to come back so they've got Isco playing there at the moment and and nobody thinks that's um, a a good idea except maybe Isco himself but uh, so they they definitely need reinforcements in midfield the problem at Madrid is that they've signed loads of of these exciting youngsters over the last decade or so Um, Vinicius Odegaard uh, Kubo, uh, Brian Diaz that they brought in from Man City. All these guys were, were super talents, um, but none of them managed to, to break into the team. Uh, the hope is that Camavinga will be 
even better than, than they were. And also that there'll be more space for him now to, to come in just because, you know, what is going to be moving on. You know, I don't think anybody around Madrid is disappointed that they've signed Camavinga. But as you say, it's um, it's something kind of to hope that it might come true in the future rather than, you know, if Mbappe, you know, he comes in, they're going to be favourites for the Liga title. Camavinga is not going to make that big an impact, obviously, straight away. I suppose the real, the real test and, and where most football fans are going to be able to assess the damage, if you like, is probably in the Champions League, is, is where you'll be able to see, right, how big a knock is this having? But how long do you think this reducing of La Liga's powers, I guess, on the, on the European football stage is going to last? Do you think this could be an extended period of time in which Spanish teams are going to struggle at the top table in the Europa League and the Champions League? Or do you think someone like Mbappe arriving next summer could spark the the bounce back of the division? It doesn't look great. Um, like it, it look, It's difficult to see how La Liga can compete unless there is some kind of bigger shake-up of financial fair play or unless the Premier League broadcast deal explodes or whatever. Um, it's difficult to see how La Liga are going to be able to compete against them. It's not really a new thing that the best players in Spain have moved away to the Premier League, like people like Silva, Barbata were being picked up from Spain a decade ago. And Spanish clubs have shown remarkable, whether it's Spanish coaches or, or just the kind of the tradition, the culture, the infrastructure around the game. They do have done very well to punch above their weight. They're used to, to making the best of what they have. Barca and Madrid aren't so used to that. They're going to have to learn that maybe a bit, um, which is going to be difficult for them. But uh, getting back to that layer or that um, spot where the Clasico is, that just overshadows all over club, all other club games in the world, where at the start of every season, Madrid and Barca are favourites for the Champions League. It's difficult to see over the short or even medium term how, how they get back to there. Yeah, and, and just to quickly follow up as well, Monday night, Griezmann going back to Atletico from Barcelona, I suppose another sign of the issues at Barcelona. But it's it's a, it could be a really great season for Atletico. They have a really good chance of defending their title and, and doing fairly well in the Champions League, you'd probably say as well. Yeah, I had a, a piece on, on the site um, last week just talking about how they had had the best summer by far while, while Barcelona and Madrid were... Well, Barca were collapsing spectacularly and Madrid were throwing everything into the Mbappe bucket, which um, turned out not to work out for them. Atletico, very quietly for them, um, were going about their business um, very well. Rodrigo de Paul, key player for Argentina, as they won the Copa America, comes in. He already looks an ideal player for Simeone. Simeone knows him, a fellow Argentine, really well. Also kept hold of all their best players. The last time Atletico won the league in 2014, immediately Diego Costa left for more money elsewhere. Uh, Courtois and um, squad players started to leave as well and it just kind of fell apart that team they rebuilt slowly and, and built a really strong squad and then if you add Griezmann on top of that um, yeah they should they should really be favourites for, for the La Liga title Champions League is also the big thing that's hanging over Simeone and Atletico um, you could argue it gets more difficult every year for them but they reached those two finals and the way they lost them to, to Madrid you know could easily have won both of those games or, or they'd argue should have won both of those games but it, it will be tough for them. The last couple of seasons, they've come up against kind of reality in, in the Champions League, knocked out by Leipzig. And then last year against Chelsea, Chelsea were just way too strong for them. So again, being having the best squad in the Liga and being you know capable of, of winning the Liga title no longer means that you, you're capable of winning the Champions League as well. That's kind of what we've been talking about the whole time over this conversation. And that might be the, the situation for Atletico this year. 
Yeah, plenty more to discuss on the state of La Liga. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. As I say, plenty more to discuss after the break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Teenage World Cup final goal since Pele himself. Dermot, let's just circle back to Mbappe. And you did a piece about it being four years in the making. Where's this obsession with him come from? What is it about him that has got Perez's juices flowing? For one of the better fries, that's an awful fries. <laughs> yeah, this is an athletic late night podcast yeah. now, Dan. What's happened there? Things kind of came together in a way that it had to be Mbappe or anybody for, for Florentino. Going back a decade to when Mbappe first came to the club, they've been looking after him. They've they've seen what a good player he is. They've been following him very closely. Zidane was a, was a huge fan. All along that time as well, it, it was always in the paper. Like Mbappe's been on the front of Marca more times than... I know any Madrid player over the last, um, since Cristiano left, I'd say Mbappe has been on the front page more than Bale or Hazard or Modric or, or anybody. So the Madrid fans have kind of become conditioned to think of him already as one of their players, which means that from a political point of view, missing out on him is then difficult. You know, Madrid have been saying for so long that Mbappe loves the club. It's all set up. It's going to be easy. We're going to get him. He's going to be here. And while over the last couple of years, Madrid were not spending any money, like, until they signed Camavinga yesterday, the last time they had spent uh, any money in a transfer fee was January 2020. And that was Rainier Jesus, who has never played for, for the team. So you have to go back to when Hazard and Jovic and uh, Militao Mendy were signed, um, which is a long time ago now. So all the way through that, the, the talk has been, don't worry, we're not spending money today because we're, we're getting ready for Mbappe. Mbappe is going to come. And in a way solve everything you know there would have been a lot of pressure on Mbappe and will be a lot of pressure on Mbappe if he does end up coming next year meanwhile the stadium is under construction there's a flashy new stadium about to open and they might be back playing in a couple of weeks but it'll, it'll still be uh, cranes and all over it it won't be fully finished until next summer at the earliest but if you have a flashy new stadium you need flashy new big stars to, to play in that stadium um, and Mbappe is the just within within my head for sure and within lots of Real Madrid fans, especially the kind of senior socios who, it's not a democracy, it's far from it, Florentino controls things, but he still has to keep um, the fans on side to, to an extent. So all of that is built into a, an obsession. We use the word a lot and people around the club have used the word as well, that it had to be Mbappe for, for all those reasons. He is a great player, but there's a lot a lot of kind of off-the-pitch reasons as well. Plus, he's, he's a huge star, like marketing-wise, it's in the piece today. If you go, obviously, Ronaldo, then Messi, then Neymar are the three biggest 
stars in the world if you look at their social media. Mbappe is next, even though he's he's only 22. He's been around a lot less. He's had a lot less time to pick up followers than than Ramos or Pique or Pogba or whoever, but he's he's done it. So getting that big star in was supposed to relaunch them, as we spoke about before. So all, all that ties together into why it was so important for Madrid to, to make that move for him this summer. And you talk about that that star model. I mean, Barcelona's business crazy in a different way to what I'm used to from, from Barcelona. I mean, the front three of De Jong, Depay and Braithwaite, it hardly sets pulses racing, does it? You know, over the summer, we've been doing lots of pieces on, on this athletic side, just about how, how broke Barca are. And it is, it's like that kind of, um, it's in a, in a Hemingway book we used to do in one of the pieces that um, you go broke gradually and then all at once. People who've been living beyond their means for a long time, old aristocrats, whoever you want, still splashing the cash, still driving the fancy car, still living in the big house until one day the, the bailiffs come and take it all away and then reality kind of sets in. And that's basically what, what has happened to Barca, even down to last night when the end of the window and they saw, had to loan Griezmann to Atletico and they would pay for him either next year or the following year, depending on how it works out, just to get him off the, the wage bill. Ajax Moriba, super young player, but fell out with him over money and he's gone to, to Leipzig. It's just been awful for them. What's happening at the minute around Barca is a, is a big blame game as to Bartomeu obviously left the club in a huge financial, awful financial state. Um, Laporta knew that when, when he came in and has had a full transfer window. He had time to prepare from last year as he was running his presidency. Then he took over as president in March. Now he's had the transfer window. It all went down to the very last minute as well. You know, even how Messi was handled, how that seemed to be all going well. And then suddenly they couldn't afford to pay for him. So... People are starting to wonder about Laporta, whether he has a plan for, for to really fix Barca's finances or if it's just a case that he's had to act out of desperation at, at the end of the window. People at Barca say, it's not our fault, we inherited this situation, but maybe they could have managed it a little bit better. So finally, before before you let, we let you go, Dermot, um, one of the things you've also written about is Sol Niguez, who joins a, a already absolutely bloated with talent Chelsea squad on loan with an option to, to sign, looking like around £40 million in total. Tell us about him and, and just how good he could be for Chelsea. Sol is a super interesting uh, situation over the last couple of years. He emerged on the scene um as a teenager playing for Atletico from just after the season they won La Liga and it looked like he could do everything he could run he could pass he could tackle he scored tended to score spectacular goals in big occasions you know bicycle kick in the Clasico against Madrid a messy like solo goal against Bayern Munich in the Champions League semi-final um, just looked like a, a wonderful all-around midfielder but over over time the relationship between him and Simeone at Atletico just didn't didn't work out um, Sal wants to play centre midfield Simeone preferred other options in midfield. He, he likes players who follow his instructions, for sure. Um, he likes players who... Uh, there's a bit of the Steven Gerrard's about Saul in a way, in that he wanted to, to do everything himself, be always involved in the game. And there's a bit of the Benitez is about uh, Simeone, in that he wants them to hold the position, especially centre midfielders, that they have to, to mind the, the house. And, and that didn't work out. So their relationship has has really suffered over the last couple of years. I think we're going to find out more about that and I'll be writing about more about that on, on site over the next couple of weeks. Meanwhile, his form dipped off as well. He hasn't been scoring those spectacular goals. He was a bit part player, really, in, in the squad last season. Thomas Lamar was ahead of him. Then Rodrigo de Paul came in during the summer. So Sal was desperate, or desperate is a, a tough way of putting it, but Sal really wanted to get out of the club this summer. 
Atletico were very happy to get his wages off the wage bill. Um, it went right down to the window. I think Chelsea, everybody had a look at him during the summer. He was well known amongst the, the top clubs in Europe that Sal was available. Um, a lot of people had a look and decided against it, probably because of how his form has stepped off over the last couple of years. But Chelsea, maybe because they needed a, an extra midfielder, maybe because they feel that they can get they can get him back, that Tuchel can re-energize and can get back that that amazing um, or that just all-action midfielder that that he used to be. Tuchel is also somebody who's, who's pretty good tactically and gives his, his players quite detailed instructions, and, I think, to, to follow. Um, so how that relationship goes is going to be really interesting to watch. But if if it all comes together, then Atletico have got a real bargain. They've got a, a super player, a guy who you know teams were bidding 100 million for a couple of years ago, and they might be able to get him next year for, for 40 million if they decide to, to go through on it. He's got 12 months to, to regain his form, to regain his, his confidence in himself as well, was... was was fairly badly hit by how, how things had gone. So could be a great move for Chelsea. Could be a difficult one for Sal to, you know, he has to kind of refocus and, and get sorted. But I think he'd be happy to come to London and I think Chelsea fans should be happy again. Yeah, he's fed away a little bit over the last couple of years. I don't think he made the, the Euro squad for Spain either. But, you know, that's a hell of a midfield four to pick two from now in Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic and, and Saul. That, that's a phenomenal midfield for Dermot. Yeah, and he's, he's different than... Than they are as well, which I guess Chelsea know, and it's something they were looking for. He has, you know, he's bigger, stronger, more athletic than they're. Well, Kante's pretty athletic. It's fair to say, pretty strong. But um, maybe it's just the impression that I have of him is that he's he's a little bit more chaotic than than, than the others are. That might be something that is brings something extra to Chelsea or something that Tuchel is looking to work on him. But you know, Chelsea squad looked at from here. You know, we're talking about how Madrid squad has and Barca squad have fallen away, and how Atletico are pretty strong. Chelsea squad is pretty spectacular and doesn't look to have too many weaknesses and be surprising if a player can go from being Atletico's sixth choice midfielder into the, the Chelsea team but that's kind of just how circumstances have, have sorted out over the last one. Um, it's been great to have you on today I feel like we've looked out a little bit booking you for, for this with all the chaos that's gone on in La Liga and everything that's happened in the transfer window it's, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Cool never a dull moment here and lovely to talk to you guys thanks Sam thanks so. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Still time before we leave to point you in the direction of a few of the great stories on The Athletic. Flo, there's so much on there at the moment, isn't there? There's not enough time to, to read it all. Yeah, and there's, there's, there, were, there were some YouTube shows as well yesterday yeah. for, for deadline day. So it's just there's just so much. But there is also a good piece, I think, that's, that's come out kind of rounding up the, the chaos of the window. So I think that's quite a good one if you're looking for something that just to kind of gather thoughts on everything. But 
Um, Sider Berahino was someone I'd completely forgot existed um, until he popped up at, at Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. I think it was Sunday, Sunday or Monday. So yeah, there's a piece up at the moment about how Darren Moore managed to persuade him to come to Wednesday and, and how he turned down offers from championship clubs. Uh, that's by Nancy Frostrick and Steve Madley. So it's an interesting read, yeah. Yeah, there's a piece on Dan James as well, which is amazingly two and a half years in the making, that transfer, not the four years of Mbappe. So Adam Craft and Phil Hay, Stuart James have got their heads together to go through the Dan James to Leeds United move. So yeah, make sure you're checking that out if you are interested. Remember, there is still that fantastic offer going on at the moment where you can pay just £3.33 a month by heading to theathletic.com slash Ornstein. You'll get everything that's good on The Athletic and much, much more. So make sure you're checking that out if you're not already subscribed. Flo, it's been a pleasure, as always, to podcast with you. If you are feeling generous, listeners, then if you're enjoying the podcast, please do leave us a review and keep an eye out for tomorrow's episode. Have a great day. The Athletic.